Hi, my name's Rob Scott from XR Today, bringing you the latest news and conversation from the extended reality space. So today I'm joined by XR consultant, Forbes columnist and author, Charlie Fink. Welcome, Charlie. How's it going? Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining me. Uh, Charlie, before we get started, how about we do a quick intro? Tell us about who you are and a little bit about what you do, please. Well, I'm the easiest person to find on the internet. I'm at Charlie Fink on um, Twitter, uh, and I'm also active on LinkedIn. So I invite anybody who is listening uh, to this show. Obviously, we're, we're brothers, right? If you found it, you belong here. So uh, give me a follow and, and let's stay in touch. You can follow my writing there. I have a weekly podcast on tech that I do uh, with Ted Chilowitz, the futurist from Paramount. And we try and bring great guests in. And basically, it's just three friends uh, shooting the shit about uh, the week's tech news. Uh, obviously, there's a XR bias in my coverage. But, um, you know, we talk about everything that's happening, including space. So uh, it's an interesting, interesting time to be covering tech, of course. Um, let's see what else about myself. I've written two AR-enabled books, also available on Amazon. One is out of print. You hold your phone over the markers in the book, and all sorts of great things fly out. And so it's a book that's walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Uh, and I'm an adjunct at two universities. I am teaching the XR program at Chapman University in Orange, California, and I am also an adjunct at Shenandoah University in suburban Washington, uh, where I also teach a course in applied XR. So I'm busy. Great. Thanks, Charlie. So I'm really excited to have you here. After reading your latest ebook, Remote Collaboration, Virtual Conferences, and the Future Work, uh, which I think you released uh, kind of middle of last year, wasn't it? Um, you inspired me yes, really to get in touch. Uh, so uh, really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me today. So sure, sure. we said we'd talk about XR in the future of work. So to kick things off, uh, Charlie, I just, first of all, what, what excites you the most right now about XR in the enterprise space? Well, in the enterprise and education space, of course, VR has been um, expanding quickly because of the pandemic. That said, it's not like VR got to choose the timing of its own close-up, so to speak. Uh, you know, the tech wasn't quite there for enterprise. It was impossible to read in a VR headset. All of that's changed, of course. Uh, and now the headsets that are proliferating most quickly, the Oculus Quest 2, uh, is good enough to do for work and to read uh, documents and web pages and to be virtually present inside of a virtual environment with your friends, family, or co-workers, or students. So the efficacy of learning in VR has been proven. Um, Striver works with Walmart to train its retail employees and reports they get uh, eight hours of training done in 15 minutes today, which is kind of an incredible stat. But other companies uh, that use the HoloLens, uh, for example, have reported industrial tasks that take eight days, suddenly taking you know one day. Uh, as workers are inserting bolts, now all of a sudden there's a guide and they don't have to use, you know, complex calculations to make sure they're placing it in exactly the right spot. The computer tells them in real time where the spot is and then, it, you know, superimposes it with millimeter accuracy over what they're seeing. So, um, but we're talking now about remote telepresence and how we can be together even though we have to be apart. Um, you know, there really aren't enough VR headsets in the wild, so that means that anybody providing a platform to do this has to provide a cross-platform 
solution. And in fact, the best ones uh, also include mobile devices and uh, mixed reality devices like the HoloLens, uh, because everyone realizes that to have a truly inclusive project, uh, you have to meet people where they are. And, you know, of course, that's the biggest problem. There's a lot of friction in VR. People get into VR and they're kind of shocked. We didn't realize how much we were hurting ourselves by using the word reality, but people get into VR and they're like, wait, I'm a cartoon character? Where's the reality? Right? So, uh, you know, what I've learned taking corporate groups around, right? People are interested, right? They're starting to think about doing things differently and the implications of being remote. And so they're looking for education and training platforms and, and other ways that they can communicate as if they were virtually present. And what I find is, number one, they're surprised and giddy, of course, to just be in VR and, and to be learning about VR. There are some great platforms out there, including Engage, uh, which a lot of universities and actually K-12 schools are using. Uh, you can give a class in the ancient Colosseum, or you could be in a college-like lecture hall, uh, which is what I uh, like to use because it has a blackboard <laughs> that I can walk up to and draw on. So it, it, it gives me magical powers and also many of the powers I have in the real. Uh, of course, it's not the same as making eye contact with a student, um, you know, which is so, you know, it's so exciting to do that when you're teaching. So, you know, I haven't been able to do that since last spring, a year ago. Uh, you know, we have to find other ways, right? So the students miss the campus experience from what's going to play, replace it. It hasn't been built yet. So, you know, this is an ecosystem that is slowly coming together. But speaking of meeting people where they are, one of the most successful players is um, Verbella, which provides a 2D interface. So it's entirely on your computer, but it's a 3D virtual world that you're navigating on your 2D screen like a super simplified second life for business. The advantage, of course, is that everybody has a PC um, and that you know you can use your arrow keys to navigate. Uh, and so you strip, strip away all the complexity and you leave all the fun stuff. And um, people are finding it's very useful for virtual meetings. They, people set up virtual offices where they just keep the spatial sound on in the corner of their computer and open it up when someone gets proximate to them or wants to talk to them or when where they have to go to a meeting or a training session or a presentation. So you're going to, and the thing about Verbella, right, it's meeting people where they are. I'm not asking you to put something on your head. I'm not asking you to do something you're not already doing. And we all know from experience that technology succeeds when it takes what we're already doing yeah. and makes it better, right? The smartphone made the mobile phone better. The mobile phone made the landline better. So, you know, the solution may or may not be in a head-mounted device. I, I, I'm not sure people are there yet, but I think in the next three years, there are going to be so many VR headsets out there, it will start to change. And indeed, you know, when I'm getting calls like, can you help our executive team figure this out? Uh, you know, it tells me that, that people are starting to lean into this as a long-term solution, right? Because it's not like somebody's going to throw a switch and there's a, a you know, we're back to normal or a new normal. Yeah. The new normal will come to us gradually. And, and there are issues with, with being apart. I mean, there are certain jobs that, where you can't be apart. And jobs often require mentorship and on-the-job learning from observation. So I'm not sure how those things are replaced. 
it may be that we're not going to see the end of the office. Instead, we'll see the infrequency of the office. What, what and that, of course, what, sorry. What do you think the biggest challenges are at the moment for enterprises looking, you know, peering into the XR space and thinking, you know, that, you know, they, they've got ideas, but, you know, what, what, what are the challenges uh, that they're facing right now? Um, well, the, the challenge that small business faces is that they're really in the consumer realm. Uh, because what you have in the development of this technology, and I think it happens with many advanced industrial technologies, is that the big guys are going first. That usually isn't the case. Usually entrepreneurs get in there and they're trying things when their counterparts in, in large enterprises are, are executing established business practices. But they also have the benefit of having innovation offices. And, you know, in those innovation offices, all of that new technology is evaluated and matched with places in the business process that they have identified as needing augmentation of some form. Whether it's an exoskeleton, whether it's a, a HoloLens that helps you anchor fasteners on the outside of a spaceship, um, you know, they find those places that have been pre-identified by engineering as pain points. Uh, so, so, you know, you see it in large enterprises now with things like remote collaboration and the proliferation of a $300 high resolution headset. Uh, I think you're now small businesses suddenly have access to VR as a training solution uh, or AR for their remote workers who are uh, on site and need real time connection to the office uh, when it is entirely remote. Yeah, so that's a category of AR that is growing very quickly, right? I don't know if you've had a repair person in your home lately, but most of them use some kind of a see what I see to identify problems and, and communicate with colleagues while they're doing the job. So it allows lower skill worker workers to accomplish tasks that typically in the past had to be accomplished by higher skilled workers, even though the majority of the work really didn't require that level of skill. Yeah, absolutely. So, I was talking to the uh, founder of uh, Third Eye the other day, and, you know, they, they're putting, you know, like a, a mixed reality solution on, you know, frontline workers and, and helping well, third, third, third Eye and a number of their competitors, Mad Gaze and, and Enreal, are sort of the first generation of devices which are not bespoke. In other words, there's an app store if you have a task, warehousing, you know, I tend to pick, pick content picking, which involves, you know, matching a scanner with a micro display. Uh, those things are now off the shelf products. Yeah, it's fantastic so to see. A CTO, a CTO of a 50 person company can go get them from Amazon. Yeah, which is, right, which so. is great, isn't it? It's like attaching superpowers to, to, to workers. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some very mundane uses of things like micro displays that leave a worker's hands free so that, number one, they're safer, which is a huge concern in uh, any uh, physical facility. You know, you know, guys get run over by forklifts uh, and it's expensive. That's another reason, you know, to use see-through device. They can't really use an occluded device in that kind of environment. You need your peripheral vision, even though it's not occluded the way it is in VR. Absolutely. So Charlie, tell me, I'm going to ask you to name a few 
or just a handful of vendors that are really exciting right now. Um, who are the ones to watch in, in 2021, do you think? Well, there's, there's no question that Oculus uh, or Facebook and Microsoft are the industry leaders, followed by Sony, uh, which has PlayStation VR. I don't think Sony is really all in on VR yet. But on, on the other hand, I think they feel like they're selling enough PlayStation VRs to continue to support and grow it with the team that they have. So those are the three companies that are really uh, in the consumer space and kind of reaching into the enterprise space. Um, Pico is a company that has a headset which is better suited to enterprise than the Oculus Quest, at least right now, because many units can be controlled centrally. It doesn't have to be tethered to your smartphone the way the Oculus Quest does. Uh, you know, and it, it, you know, unless you have a phone from work, to, to synchronize your personal device with a piece of company-owned uh, hardware is sort of unthinkable, right? That's what IT guys are trying to prevent. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the Pico uh, Neo solves that problem. It, it's more expensive, but not so much more expensive. You know, it's like $1,000 more expensive maybe if you get the high-end one with retina tracking and all that good stuff. And it's a, it's a high resolution headset where, you know, in, in the past you would have had to buy, um, you know, an $8,000 headset to do. So I think those are the companies to watch. They're big companies, of course. Um, uh, Google seems to be drawing back a little bit from VR and doubling down on maps, which uh, is a one-to-one -one digital mesh that covers the whole world. And the implications of that are quite compelling, but their fully included VR work seems to be uh, tossed overboard. The That said, the Google Glass version 2, which is an enterprise device with a you know, little micro display hanging off your glasses, is quite popular. And again, you can buy it on Amazon, uh, you know, tether it to a smartphone, and if you lose it, so what? It's a lot less expensive than losing an RF gun. So, which was also a problem in warehouses, right? They'd send guys out to do picking with a clipboard and an RF gun. And, you know, eight hours later, you know, if everything came back to the right place, they were grateful. So these kind of wearables solve a problem, um, both in terms of keeping the workers hands-free and their head up, uh, but also uh, the wearable devices don't uh, get lost or misplaced as easily. Uh, that said, obviously, you're taking it on and off all day because it's like a hard hat, right? You're on the floor, you have the hard hat on, you're eating once you take it off. So that's that's what a lot of that kind of wearable scanners, things like that, right? You've got a scanner on your wrist. You don't eat lunch while you're wearing it. Absolutely. Um, so, so, But I think that, that those are that then you have a whole slew of smaller companies. Well, I should also mention HP and Qualcomm. HP does a lot of things, but they're really doubling down on VR and they've just... Uh, released this uh, amazing new headset. Um, so, um, and it's it's tethered though. You have to tether it to a gaming PC. So, uh, but it's finally a uh, you know high resolution uh, tethered headset. So, uh, and it's super light, uh, which is another thing. Headsets used to be really heavy. You couldn't wear them for that long, uh, for that reason alone. So. Uh, you know, and then there's Qualcomm, right? Qualcomm's making chips for everybody, you know, and, and they're going to be in half the 5G phones out there that are not Apple phones. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Qualcomm is doing important work in XR. They, if it were not for Qualcomm, there would be no Oculus Quest or the Quest would be much more expensive. Um, 
certainly NVIDIA uh, is a company, if you believe in, in AI and a 3D future, uh, that future certainly would include NVIDIA. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's see. And then Apple is the big sort of Damocles that hangs over the industry, although I think that is a decidedly consumer device. Yeah. I think it may it may be important for training. It may be important for education as a lot of them get out there. But whether or not it ends up being for enterprise, I don't know. Apple, I'm sure, will try and do that eventually, but I doubt it will be a priority for them. A priority for them is selling 500 million headsets, right? So, yeah. you know, what do they think about the enterprise business? But for VR right now, um, although Quest is changing the landscape a little bit, yeah, the majority of the business has to do with corporate training and education. Charlie, there's so many brands entering the XR space as well as the big brands, but you've actually got an XR director available for anyone interested in, in looking at uh, the kind of landscape. Yeah, XR directory sort of started out as a spreadsheet. And, uh, you know, I, I shared it with enough people that it started to make more sense to build it into a website. And the feature that's most popular is I allow sites or companies to self-list, right? So you control your listing. I don't control your listing. Uh, so it's good. It's led to like a thousand companies signing up and it being a great public resource. And, you know, I mean, I'm I'm paying hosting for my own website and stuff from Amazon anyway. So, um, you know, it's another, you know, whatever, 50 bucks a month. And uh, it's just a way I can give back and help other writers. As it turns out, Google really likes XR Directory. So if you search for something very specific, you're likely to get a return. You know, if you type in VR training, you know, it's going to show you VR training companies listed um, who listed themselves in XR directory. So yeah. um, Google's obviously ranking it highly right now, which um, thank you algorithm, whatever they did, it's giving uh, the XR directory some uh, credibility. So, you know, I'm able to help companies that help me uh, keep track of the industry by listing themselves. So it's a win-win. And, uh, and of course, any other journalist can use it. And, uh, you know, when you're writing a story about haptics, you're like, well, who else is doing haptics? Yeah. And, you know, there's the answer. So that's how it helps me as a writer and researcher. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, authentic, honest directory. And I'm sure that's why Google's picking it up. Um, and also, just a quick plug for your ebook. I mean, the remote collaboration, virtual conferences, and the future work ebook. It was it was priced priced to be uh, inexpensive. Uh, I think the book is like fourteen ninety five, and if you've got a Kindle subscription, uh, it's free. Uh, I also think that people like every book now gets posted all over the internet. So wherever you find it, take a look. I also wrote an article on Forbes uh, that has a lot of the conclusions and observations uh, that are in the meat of the book. Uh, so the content is out there, um, and uh, and yeah, I mean it's it's it was a big research project that I undertook with students last spring. As we said, by God, the world's going to be, you know, for the next year or two remote. What is going to happen? Yeah, uh, well, so started looking at VR sites. There's so many of them that allow us to be virtual, virtually present and do work together. Um, you know, so I think a combination of jumping into VR and being on Zoom uh, is going to work well for, for a lot of teams. I don't know how well it's going to work for big companies, but, but for teams, you know, four, five, eight, ten people, I think it can be very effective to go in and out of VR from time to time, although nothing is going to replace even just seeing ourselves face to face in this way.
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's all very exciting. And, hey, Charlie, it's been super speaking to you today. Thank you so much. For right. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was great, great being here. Thank you. And that's it from us. If you've enjoyed today's session, please subscribe to XR Today News and give this video a quick share on social. It's always appreciated. And if you're an XR fan and want to be part of the conversation, you can join us using the XR News hashtag on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Our social links are in the description. So I'm Rob Scott from XR Today. Thanks for watching.